0: It's so good to be uh, gathered in this place in person. Uh, we're streaming our services online during this time as well. And so I know there's maybe some things that are keeping some from being able to gather together in person. And we're so glad that you've tuned in. And we're going to continue to stream our services online uh, from here on out. Even, even when uh, some of these precautions are taken out of place, we're going to continue to do that. We've seen God work mightily in that. And uh, today's Father's Day. And so let me say to the dads, happy Father's Day. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning that deals uh, with fathers, with parents, not because we picked a particular message this morning out of the blue, but when we left off, like, can you go back in time with me? Like 14 weeks ago, uh, when we were, let's see, when it, was, it was March 8th was the last time that we were in this building. And we were in this series entitled Satisfied. Do you remember that? Like, like, you gotta go back, like in the memory banks, and we were in this, this series entitled Satisfied, and we were walking through the book of Colossians, and so this morning, we're gonna pick up that series where we left off, because I don't know about you, but I like closure, and so we're gonna finish out this book. We took a break, we went into Psalm 27, we were planning on doing that anyway after Colossians, and the Lord used that mightily in my life, and I know in many of your lives as well, and I've heard great uh, just feedback on what the Lord's done uh, as you have worked on I'm memorizing Psalm 27, looking at Psalm 27, but this morning we're jumping back into Colossians. So turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. So let me refresh your memory. We have been going after this idea of being satisfied in Jesus Christ, understanding that we are living in one of two spheres. We are living in a, in a sphere that is dry, that is that is may feel like destitute, and, and we're trying to fill that void in our life with so many different things, or we are experiencing, though it may not be because of not going through difficult circumstances, you may be in difficult circumstances right now, and that would not come to a surprise of us at all with everything that we have gone through and are going through. But what you're experiencing in your life in the midst of that is you're experiencing health and you're experiencing uh, contentment in your soul, and you're experiencing what Psalm 23 says is green pastures. Why? Because you're finding your satisfaction not in things, not in people, not in events, not in circumstances, but you're finding them in Jesus Christ. And that's really what we went after. All the way up to where we had to stop in Colossians three verses eighteen and nineteen, we stopped remember looking at husbands and wives and how they relate to one another and what a healthy home looks like and 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 marriage and, and looking at those types of things well now we 're going to jump into verses twenty and twenty one and I love the way that God works right His timing is always right he 's never late. And we are looking at a passage of Scripture in verses 20 and 21 on how children and parents and fathers relate, and we're picking that up on Father's Day. So I just think that's another sign for you, if you were looking for one, that God knows what he's doing, he's not late, he's always on time. And so we define satisfied this way, I'm going to refresh your memory, because I think it's important that we define what satisfaction in Christ looks like, it's this, believing and experiencing that Jesus is better. But that's what we mean by being satisfied in Jesus Christ. Really, now that I've looked at that definition fresh again, I would probably change it a little bit to say knowing, believing, and experiencing that Jesus is better. Because for some of you, you're brand new in your relationship with the Lord, and one thing you can testify with is that the things that you were looking for to bring that satisfaction and contentment in your life did not deliver on what they promised and so for some of us in this room or watching online you have been learning that jesus is better others of us know it but we need to believe it we need to remind ourselves remember what we said in psalm 27 knowledge plus faith plus action equals conviction like we need to remind ourselves what our conviction needs to be that jesus is better and some of us because we're putting those things into practice knowing and believing we are experiencing that jesus is better Man, I remember at the beginning of this series, we started in January of 2020. Like, I don't know about you, but I never have thrown a New Year's Eve party before in my life. And I told Lori, this will be the year. Like, I'm so excited for 2020 to be over already, and we're halfway through it. But in saying that, I also don't want to discount the lessons that I've learned, and I know you've learned as well, and so we say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. But when we started this in January of 2020... I remember saying these words, that our prayer is that, that we would learn what it means to be satisfied in Jesus more than anything else. And hasn't these last three months just been stripping away the things that maybe you have looked for satisfaction, your job, maybe that's gone, Your, your uh, you know what, what your hobbies are, those haven't been able to happen. I mean, whatever it is, and they've been stripped away. And in that time, as I've even thought about it in my life, Lord, if you've shown me anything, you have been teaching me once again what it looks like to be satisfied in you rather than the next thing I'm excited about on my calendar that has now been taken away. And so we find ourselves now in verses 20 and 21. So let me read it. And then we're gonna pray for dads this morning. It says this, Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. So we got kids in this room this morning. So kids, we're gonna, we're gonna talk to you today. The Lord literally says, Children, that's you, obey your parents in the Lord and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Verse 21 Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, lest they become discouraged. Now, Edward, Duke of Windsor, some of you are history buffs, know that. Others of you are history buffs about that, and you know that name because you love watching The Crown on Netflix. Uh, but Edward, man, I got a woo out of that. Please give me a woo when I do something else, too. Edward, Duke of Windsor, who's most known, if you didn't know it, for abdicating the throne of England in 1936. So he's obviously not with us. I thought this was interesting, what he said about Americans. He says, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. Yeah, so where's the woo? Right? I mean, I mean that oftentimes... Maybe true, and we're hitting close to home right now, right? Well, here's the title of the message this morning, and then we're going to pray. Where are the parents? That's what the Lord's going to teach us this morning, and so you may be here. Here's what I know when we're dealing with a subject like this. You're like, well, I don't, I'm not even married yet. I don't even have a boyfriend or girlfriend, um, and we're talking about parenting this morning. Well, here's what I know. When God's word is God, open, God's word is open, God's mouth is open. And I know that he's going to speak to you today. Maybe he's going to speak to you and how you relate to your mom and dad. Maybe he's going to speak to you and how you relate to your grandkids. I don't know what it will be, but I know the Lord's going to speak. And so let me pray for dads this morning because this is a special day. We need to honor them. And I also want to pray for those in this room that this may be a painful day to you. That's not lost on me. I don't want to be naive to that reality. There's people in this room that have lost their dad recently, and today's a painful day. There's others that may be We're not fortunate enough to have a dad who was present in the home, and today's a painful day because it reminds you of what you wanted more than anything else but didn't experience. And I want to say to you that praise God that you have a heavenly father who is the perfection of your earthly father, not the reflection. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and just thank the Lord for the dads that we did have in our lives, pray for those who this may be a difficult day for them as we get into God's word. God, we're here today to hear from you, and God, I thank you that... When we open your word, we're never left empty. You always speak to us and how you want us to live our lives. And so, God, we thank you for fathers this morning. We have many of them in the room. And, God, we praise you for them. We praise you for, for just the way that they love us. And, God, I'm thankful for the father you placed in my life. And, God, I'm thankful for the privilege to be a father. And, and so, God, we want to honor that this morning. That is something to be honored, dads that are that are striving their best, they're not perfect, to to be the husbands that they need to be, to be the dads that you've called them to be, to be the leaders, Lord, in their households, and to model what it looks like to follow you. God, we praise you for the men that that speaks of. And God, at the same time, we pray for for those men that maybe are not living that way, but know that they need to, that you would work on their life, that today would be the day that they would say, Lord, forgive me, and I'm going to I'm gonna get back in step with you. God, we pray for those who have lost their dad and today's a hard day because it reminds them of what they've lost or today's a day that reminds some of what they never had and so Lord, may you allow their gaze to be just transfixed in a special way to the heavenly father that you are and so God, just lead us and guide us as we walk through this passage of scripture this morning on what it looks like to be satisfied in you in regards to our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the idea that I want you to get today as we look at just these two verses, and we're going to jump to some other passages of Scripture as well. They're going to help support these two verses. It's this, that a satisfied heart, remember that's what we're going after as we've walked through this book of Colossians, a satisfied heart is the result of Christ being exalted in your home. Like if you want harmony in your home, if you want your home to be a haven that is a safe place, if you want it to be a place that literally ex- just exudes love in your house and the way that that happens, the way that you experience satisfaction in your home is by exalting Christ in your home. So experiencing harmony, experiencing health in your home, your home being a haven of safety and rest and love, is the result of Christ being exalted in your home. Dads, think of it this way. Let me just speak to dads in the room for a second. Dads, your children's first concept of God is shaped by the father you are to them. What is God called in the scriptures? We just prayed it. He's called heavenly father. So dads, if you're absent, if you're never there, if you're always someone to get angry, if your life is characterized by you saying something and not following through on it, then those are things that have to be unwound in your child when they think of God for the first time. That's a heavy responsibility. I feel the weight of that. You should feel the weight of that. And so we're going to unpack these two verses so that we can be the fathers, so that we can be the parents, so that we can be, maybe you're, you're leading a household and you're not necessarily someone's father or mother, but God has given you that responsibility to take care of those children. You need to listen this morning. And Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4 is a great uh, cross-reference passage to what we're going to see in Colossians three twenty and twenty one. So keep your finger in Colossians three twenty and twenty one, and turn over to Ephesians six one through four because we're going to use these two passages of scriptures because they're saying the same thing. Paul is writing to the church at at, at Colossae. Remember, he's writing this letter, but he also writes another letter to the church at Ephesus, but he focuses on this same idea of what does harmony in the home look like? What does Christ being exalted in the home look like? So Ephesians 6, one through four says this. Children, he's talking to children this morning. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Why should I do that? That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. He's quoting Exodus chapter 20. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. What does Paul say in Colossians 3.21? Fathers, do not provoke your children. We'll talk about what that word provoke means. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we're going to use these two passages this morning to unpack this idea that a satisfied heart is the result of Christ being exalted in the home. So let me give you two things this morning. Let me just warn you, there's a lot under these two things. Two things that are taking place in your home when Christ is being exalted. Because we can say, man, I want that, but what are the ways that I can kind of take what God's word says and evaluate if that's how my household is operating? Well, I'm going to give you two things from God's word. Here's the first one. It's in reference to children. Children are obeying the Lord by obeying their parents respectfully respectfully here's what i love about paul paul is continuing to give instruction on what it looks like to experience satisfaction in your house remember verses 18 and 19 how husbands and wives relate to one another now verse 20 and 21 how children and parents relate to one another and here's what's so awesome so these letters that we're reading today that are God's word, they would have been read in the church that they would address. So they would have gathered together all the church of, of, of Colossae, and it wouldn't have been like, hey, uh, First Baptist Church of Colossae, you read this in your church, and, and uh, you know, AME Church of, of Colossae, you read it over here, and, uh, you know... A non-denominational church of Colossae. You read it over here. No, no, no. It was, this is the first century church. They all gathered together. And here's what's awesome, man. Someone is reading this letter that Paul wrote to them because Paul isn't in person when he's reading this letter. He's writing it from prison. And, and, and all of a sudden, he speaks to children. So I could have just imagined the setting. It's probably like what you're enduring right now, parents, with your kids in here. It's like your kids, you're just trying to keep them quiet, and you're trying to keep them occupied, and all of a sudden, reading through this letter, and all of a sudden, children, and all of a sudden, all the kids in the room perk up. Oh, wait a minute. There's something about us. I think that's so cool. It just reminds me that the, lo- that the Lord loves children. So kids in the room. Here's what the Lord is saying to you. He's, li- the Lord is literally saying what the Lord's desire for you to do is obey mom and dad. And you're like, if you're a little bit older, you're like, I didn't need to come to church to hear that. I just heard that in the car coming here. Let me give you four significant words or phrases in verse 20 that help us understand how children relate to parents. Children refers to any child still living in the home or under parental guidance. I think that's so interesting. The the word in the Greek for children, it just doesn't refer to, well, if you're under eight. No, if you're living in the home. Some of you need a little motivation to get out of the home. Colossians 3.20. You want mom and dad to give you a little slack? Maybe you need to move out of the house. But literally it refers to any child living in the home under parental guidance. So that's who who Paul is talking about. But what are children, how are children supposed to function in the home? Well, we come to that word. Children are to obey. It's that word that literally means continual obedience. It's not a one-time thing. This is how you ought to live your life. It literally comes from two words. Listen. And under. So, literally, what Paul is saying is children, listen under your parents. Your parents are the authority that God has placed over you. They are going to give an account one day for how they parent you. That's why we said the first thing that takes place when Christ is exalted in the home is that children are not just obeying their parents, but they're obeying the Lord by obeying their parents respectfully. Then it says, well, how often do I need to obey? Like kids, maybe you're asking, well, how often do I need to obey? Like most of the time, what does he say? In all things. He doesn't leave any wiggle room here. Like I don't get to have the, the obedience buffet and, and I'm oh, I like this over here. Like mom and dad, we see eye to eye on this, but not over here. No, no, no. It says in all things. Here's the only wiggle room is if your parents asked you to do something that's contrary to what God says. That's it. You're like, well, I don't see that in a... Colossians 3:20. Well, scripture interprets scripture. Acts 5:29 says that we need to obey God rather than man. So when there's a conflict between what God says and what a man or a woman tells me, then I'm supposed to submit to God's authority because that person's authority is out of line. All things but here's, here's the important, here's the phrase that is the most important phrase in verse 20. Are you ready? Here it is, for this pleases the Lord. The word pleases almost always in the New Testament refers to my relationship with the Lord. So the way that I am obeying the Lord, as I said, is by obeying my parents. Ephesians 6, 1 says it this way, for this is Right. Now, this is where Ephesians 6 is helpful to Colossians 3. Colossians 3 says obey your parents. Colossians 6, 2 says that we are not just to obey, we're also to honor. Write this down if you haven't written down anything yet. Obey focuses on the action. Honor focuses on the attitude. Obedience that pleases the Lord is done with honor. I'm not going to use my kids as an example because that's not fair to them, so I'll use myself as an example. There were many, many times in my household growing up where I obeyed my parents, but I for sure did not honor them. Right? No woos on that one, no amends on that one. That's true of all of us, right? But what I love is is, is Paul and really the Lord through Paul is, is helping kids, helping you understand, man, how do I obey mom and dad? Well, I need to obey what they say, but I need to do it with the right attitude. I need to obey them respectfully. And here's the promise, because there's a promise in here and it's found in verse three of Ephesians six. Here's the promise, that it may go well with you. Here's what I found growing up in my household. It never went well with me when I disobeyed. Never went well. I tried it many times. It never went well. Pragmatically, it never went well. But I've never met anyone in life who looked back on their life, who is living for the Lord and and in a good place in life that said, man, I regret obeying my parents. Says, no, no, no. It may go well with you. Listen, Kids in the room, I don't care if you're three or you're 18 or you're still living at home. Get this, obeying mom and dad is God's will for your life. So many times we want to say, man, what am I going to do for a job? Uh, Where am I going going to go to college? What am I going to major in? Am I supposed to marry this girl? Not marry this girl? Marry this guy? Not marry this guy? And we have all these questions that oftentimes, I remember when I was in 18, man, I'd get myself sometimes worked up as like, man, what if I choose the wrong school? What if I choose the wrong major? All those different types of things. And here's what, you've heard me say this before if you call this place your home. Man, if you are obeying God's will revealed, you're not going to miss God's unrevealed will. And God's revealed will in the home is for children to obey their parents. And when you do that, listen to me, you don't miss God's best for your life. That's literally what the Lord is getting at in Exodus 20 that Paul quotes here. He says, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Like you're not gonna miss God's best. Amen. So what's the first thing that takes place in the home when Christ is being exalted? Man, you have children who are obeying the Lord by obeying their parents respectfully. Now, if you're close to your mom or dad, maybe this has been happening to you, you like, you're going to have a bruise in the morning because they've been twisting or putting an elbow in your side the whole time I've been talking this morning, right? Maybe that's been going on. Well, let me encourage you, parents, let me challenge you is probably a better word, that if your kids are not obeying the Lord by obeying you respectfully, before you look at them, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what am I doing? Because here's the second thing that takes place when Christ is being exalted in the home, and this is where we're gonna spend the majority of our time this morning. Parents are obeying the Lord by disciplining their children lovingly. Like, that's how parents obey the Lord, We want our kids to obey us, but there's also responsibility on parents. And parents are obeying the Lord. Parents are pleasing the Lord. I am pleasing the Lord when I am disciplining my children lovingly. Write this down. Disciplining your children is more than what you do to your child. It's what you do for your child. So much more than what you do to him or her. But understanding, no, no, no. I'm disciplining my child lovingly because of what I want to do for them. What I want to do for them. And here's where this starts it starts with father's owning the responsibility that has been given to them by God. It starts with us, guys, owning the responsibility that God has given us as fathers to lead our households. And it's unfortunate that oftentimes it's as true inside the four walls of the church as it is true of someone who has no concept of Jesus whatsoever, that there are so many dads that have relinquished this responsibility and let their let the moms, let, let the mom be the disciplinarian, let the mom set the rules, Let the mom do everything rather than dad saying, no, no, no. This is a responsibility, a privilege that I've been given by God that I'm going to give an account for one day. That the way that my children will first see their heavenly father is the way that I love them. The way that I care for them. The way that I discipline them. It's a responsibility that I need to embrace. Not pass it off. That doesn't mean that we don't partner with our Wives and with our with the moms, and we work together, but so often dad shirk that responsibility. At best, and at worst, are not even there. This blew me away. I was not even aware of this. 90% of the people that are in prison come from fatherless homes. 90%. Now, if you're here today and you didn't have a dad, that doesn't mean you're destined for prison. That's not what I'm saying. But that statistic ought to drive home the reality of the importance of a dad being in the home and taking the responsibility that God has given him seriously. That word fathers, if we have some people in the room and they're like, well, man, dad's not in the home. Well, fathers can also also refer to parents. So even though, yes, it says fathers, and yes, it can refer to the father, it also is a general term that refers to parents in general or whoever is the caregiver to children. So here's what's interesting. Here's the context of, what, of, of what's going on and the law that was going on while Paul is writing this letter because I think it's helpful for us to understand how what Paul writes is actually countercultural to the day which is a lot different than today. Under a section of Roman law entitled Patria Potestis, which literally means the power of the father. This blew me away how just heinous this Roman law was. The power of the father literally meant this. The father could do anything he wanted with his children. He could sell them. He could turn them into slaves. He could even take their life with no repercussions. That was the culture that was going on in the day that Paul writes this letter. So you can imagine the church opening up this letter and Paul referring to the way that the Lord designed the home to operate and how counter-cultural it was to what was going on in the day. So what are fathers or parents not to do? According to verse 21, look at it again. It says, fathers or parents are not to provoke their children that word provoke literally means to embitter or to build up resentment in your child's heart see it's sometimes counterintuitive we actually think if i discipline my kids they would that would embitter them if i did that lovingly but yet at the same time didn't allow them to get away with stuff that it would be. Count, we would think, "Oh, well, then my kids might like me more." No, no, no. Actually, embitters them because they even have enough common sense to know that my parents love me if they're saying no to me. So that word provoke literally means to embitter or to build up resentment. And then it says, "Lest they become discouraged." That word discouraged means unloved. Mom and dad don't care about me because they don't give me the time of day. Mom and dad don't care about me because they never set up boundaries. Mom and dad don't care about me. We could go on and on and on. Fathers, parents, don't provoke and bitter. Make your children resentful lest they become like they feel unloved. That word also literally means of no value. So here's what I want to do in the rest of the time, and we're going to go through these quick. I want to give you 10 ways that we are instructed to parent our children by the Lord. Now, I know I've sat in enough services in my lifetime. Remember, I'm a pastor's kid. I've sat in more church than probably you ever will. And whenever I heard a preacher say 10 ways after he already spoke for about 15 minutes, I'm like, how long is this going to be? So we're going to go through this quickly. So if you've got a pen, write this down well. If you're watching this online, write these down. They'll be on your screen. Because it says there in Ephesians 6, verse 4, we're to bring them up. We're not to provoke our children to anger. But what are we to do? We're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what are the ways that the Lord wants us to parent our children? Now, all of these ways are not found in Colossians 3, but they are found throughout God's word. And we can take God's word and apply them to these things that I'm gonna give you. Here's the first one. Number one, exercise authority correctly. You're not some taskmaster in the house. Exercise authority correctly. Here's the goal of parenting. It's gonna be on your screen. It's gonna be up there because I want you to get this. The goal of parenting, at least how I've worded it, is not simply controlling behavior, but parenting in a way that creates an environment where a child will be consistently exposed to Jesus' love for them and experience heart change. I know that was long, so that's gonna stay up there. The goal of parenting is not simply controlling behavior. Oftentimes, we can get caught up in that, right? I mean, I just want my kids to go to bed on time when I tell them to go to bed. I just want to keep my kids out of my bed. Like, I just want my kids that when I tell them to do something, they don't cop an attitude. Like, I I get that. I feel that. But parenting is more than just controlling my kids' behavior. The Lord wants more than that out of me. He wants me to provide an environment where they are consistently exposed to Jesus' love for them because that's where they experience heart change because heart drives actions. And too often as parents were only focusing on the behavior rather than the heart that drives the behavior. Hebrews 12, verses 6, and six through 11 actually is a great passage of scripture that gives the Lord as the example on how he parents us. Verse six says this, for the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. That word discipline literally means, if you want to turn there, you can in Hebrews 12, six so you can see it, maybe write this above that word discipline. It literally means that there's a strategy of correction for how you want to grow the child into what you want them to be. That's the word discipline. It's an actual word for Discipline the ones that he loved, and chastises everyone whom he receives. So what's the diff- word, difference between the word discipline and chastises? Discipline is the strategy by which you want to parent your child so that it will grow into the man or woman of God that, you, that God desires them to be. Chastising has the idea of the act by which you follow through on the plan that you created. See, oftentimes we do a great job on setting the rules. We do a terrible job on actually implementing them and holding our children accountable to them. But it says, no, 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 that's not what the Lord does. The Lord has a plan for your holiness, and he is zealous on you living that out. Why? Because he loves you. Verse seven, it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Here's what I love. What literally the writer of Hebrews is saying is, is it should be intuitive that you as a dad and a mom have actually set up a way to discipline your children. Like, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be an amazing revelation, It says, for what father doesn't do that? Verse nine, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's just not enough to lay out the rules. It's exercising them correctly, doing it out of love, staying consistent, holding the line. Because at the end of the day, we are to model for our kids how the Lord treats us, exercise authority correctly. You're like, well, how do I do that? Well, as we go through these other ways, it'll touch on that. Here's the second thing, second way we are instructed to parent our children by the Lord. Confess sin immediately. And I'm not talking about the kids to you, I'm talking about you to your kids. Confess sin immediately. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You're like, if you're looking for a loophole, you're like, well, James 5 isn't talking to parents. No, 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 that's a general concept. So why wouldn't we apply it to parents? Confess sin immediately. One of the most powerful things you can do for your kids is show them that they just don't need the gospel, but you do as well. One of the most formational things that you can do for your kids is for you to own what they already know. You ain't perfect. Man, if Lily and Lucas could get up here on stage, which they're not, I'm not gonna wanna make them nervous, if they could get up here, they would tell you, I, if I were to ask them, how many times has dad had to apologize to you? They would be like, all the time. Because it was taught to me that it's so important that you're transparent your kids, that when you sin at your kids, when you get angry at your kids for something you shouldn't have got angry about, when, when, when you fly off the handle, whatever it may be, when, when, whatever it is, that you sit down with your kids and say, hey, so and so, I need to ask forgiveness. I was wrong, I sinned against you, I sinned against mom, you saw that, would you please forgive me? Let me tell you something, if you get one principle this morning, this one is the one that you need to apply because it will, it will radically change your household to where Christ will be seen as exalted in the home because unfortunately, I have a lot of friends that I went to, that I grew up with that spent every single waking moment in the church with me that wanna have nothing to do with the Lord, why? Because they saw the hypocrisy of their parents, Confess sin immediately. You're not perfect. Don't expect them to do something that you don't want to do. Here's the third thing. Give affection liberally. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things, hopes all things. Love never ends. And your home ought to be a place that gives affection liberally. Liberally. Some of us are lifeguard parents. You know what I mean by that? The only time we show up on the scene is when something's going wrong. And man, I can't make withdrawals if I'm not making deposits in my kid's life. If the only time I'm giving them any attention is when I'm correcting them for something that's wrong, but also putting my arm around them and investing in them as well, I am actually, you know what I'm doing? I am discouraging my child. I am provoking them. I am bittering them. I'm making them resentful. I'm making them feel unloved because I can't make withdrawals where I haven't made deposits. You know what that means? That means touching, hugging, kissing your kids. That's not a bad thing. Like Lucas still gets that from me. We've reached a point where that's not the greatest thing in the world to him. Guess what? So sorry. Lily's gonna get that from me. Like, it's just what we're gonna do. We're gonna take time, we're gonna give time to our kids. Not just time to tell them what they're doing is wrong, but time just to have fun. Time just to hang out. Time just to talk. That's another thing. Talk to your kids. Talk to them about what's going on. Their friends shouldn't be the only ones that they're having conversations with. Give affection liberally. Here's the fourth thing. Treat children equally. James 2, one says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You ever have your kids play this game with you? Mom and dad, who do you love the most? <laughs> right? I did that. I have five younger brothers, I always and I'm the oldest. I always played that game. Mom loves me the most. Dad loves me the most. But how are you going out of your way, though they're different, to treat them equally? Here's the fifth thing. Address sin redemptively. Hebrews 12, 6, we already read it in Hebrews 12.6, where it talks about how the Lord disciplines and chastises every child that is his. Can I just let you know on a little fact that we need to remind ourselves of this morning? Your child is born with a sin nature. They don't come out of the womb perfect. They don't grow up in the culture and that's when they sin. Like, like that's, that's not from God's word. Every child is born a sinner. And no child is born with a master of divinity in theology. Sinner, no theology. No concept of who God is. You know what that means? Your kids are gonna sin a lot. Newsflash, your kids are going to sin a lot. So how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to address sin redemptively? Well, well, the first thing that you do is whatever rules you make, you make sure that they're founded on the God's word. But after you make those rules that are found on God's word, you make sure you're consistent to those rules. That's after all what the Lord does in Hebrews 12, six. Then you make sure that, that if those sins are broken, that there's punishment for those things. The kids know if I do this, this is the result. This is the consequence. But you do it with Love. I remember growing up and my dad would discipline me and a whole nother message on how that happens. But my father would discipline me and I remember what he would always do after he did it and it was painful in the moment is he would give me a hug, he would tell me that he loves me. Why? Because that's what the Lord does with you. That's what the Lord does with you. What are you doing? You are striving to make sure that you are not provoking your children to be discouraged, to feel unloved. As your kids gets older, your parenting tactics have to change. It doesn't work so well to say, because I told you so. That works great, five, six, seven. Doesn't work so well, 13, 14, 15, and on. And there's also opportunities that when they do something, asking, why did you do that? What were you thinking in that? Not in a condemning tone, but really trying to understand where they're coming from. Why? Because we're more than about behavior. We're trying to get at the heart. We're trying to point out to them what is the heart issue that's driving those actions. Why? Because what they need more than anything is Jesus, and they need his grace, and they need to be transformed by the same gospel that's transforming us. Heart drives actions. But let's also think about this. If you've got younger kids, little kids, I remember what this was like. When we think about addressing sin redemptively, it's important that you understand the difference between disobedience and mistakes. Like if your kid spills milk and he's two, it's not sin. And man, I've been guilty, man, when that's happened or it spills over our brand new furniture that we just bought and like flip it out. That would be one of the times that I had to confess sin immediately. <laughs> but understand the difference in that. Mistakes, not necessarily bis- being disobedience. Here's the sixth thing we gotta move. Choose battles wisely, James 1, five says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Why did I use that verse? Because it takes wisdom to pick and choose your battles. Like I remember one simple illustration that's pretty low hanging fruit is I remember when I was, when I was, uh, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, that claw game, you know, that goes down and it grabs the thing. And man, I wanted to play that so bad. I saw these awesome toys in there and and I got a little bit of an allowance and it was like a dollar. And I was like, man, I want to do that so much, dad. My dad knew that that thing was going to take my money faster than I could give it. But he's like, go ahead, son. Sure enough, what happened? Put the dollar in there? Nothing. So you know what I didn't do again? I never went to those machines, I mean, that's a simple, silly little illustration. But how are we, as our children are growing, choosing, wait a minute, i got to start to guide versus control. Choose battles wisely. we got to keep going. Here's the eighth thing. Stay involved emotionally. Psalm 27, verses 7 and 8, we spent 14 weeks walking through that. Where it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. What is David saying? David, David's saying to God, God, these are my emotions. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. And what does the Lord say? Seek my face. I want to hear those things. And what does David say? Because he knows he has a father who wants to be there emotionally for him. David says, Your face do I seek. Is your home a place, do you have a relationship with your kids that they will take their emotions to you? Man, listen to me, that starts when they're young. If you haven't been intentional in that, it's real hard to do that 16, 17, and 18 if you didn't do it at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Stay involved emotionally. It takes time to say we're gonna have dinner together. We're gonna have a family worship time together. You know one of the greatest things that I've found that allows you to peer into your kid's soul and what they're thinking? Have them pray out loud. Sometimes what that does is you're like, at, when your kids go to bed, you're giving a high five to your wife because you're like, man, we're doing a lot better than I thought we were. Or other times you're like, man, we gotta fix that theology in our kid's mind. Stay involved emotionally. Here's the ninth thing. Receive input regularly. Proverbs 15, says, without counsel, plans fail but with many advisors, they succeed. Listen to me, if you've gone through this whole message and you're like, man, I got these 10 things in my back pocket, we're good, we're good. Then don't tell me that because I failed miserably. And I'm, I'm always trying to talk to people whose kids are older than mine and saying, man, how did you do this? How did you deal that? How do you, how do you deal with this? Tell me what you've done. Tell me the mistakes that you've made. Tell me the wins that you've made. We need to be receiving input regularly, exercise humility. Guess what? If you say to another family who's parented kids, man, we don't know what to do in this situation, they're not gonna say, "Ah, oh, I can't believe you don't know what to do. They're gonna be like, neither did we. <laughs> Here's the last thing. Number 10, provide care uniquely. Your kids are different. If you have multiple kids, I don't need to tell you that. Psalm 139, 14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God wired your children differently because he wants them to accomplish different things for his honor and his glory. Man, I got one kid who loves to be alone. I got another kid who hates to be alone. One of those kids, man, I mean, rather, rather than punishing them normally the way that I did, I learned real quick, man, if I send that, that kid to their room, that is way more painful to them than anything else I could do. Understand the differences in your kids. Understand the uniqueness. Get behind those things. Get behind those desires. Just because your oldest loves one thing and does one thing doesn't mean that the other one does. God doesn't treat us like that. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. When every head bowed and every eye closed... And just so you know, man, as I was pouring over this, man, there were things that I needed to confess, things that I needed to be reminded of, where I needed to be more intentional as a dad. And I'm sure that's true of you. And the beautiful thing is, is the Lord is there always. Maybe some of us need to confess some sin of how we've parented. Maybe some of us after this need to have a conversation with our kids and say, man, I and we, as dad, need to ask forgiveness for some things, have some tough conversations. But listen to me, it'll be worth it. Maybe even if your child doesn't respond right away, do- God's going to use that in their life. Because what God desires more than anything else is for your home to be a haven, to be experience harmony. And that only happens when Christ is exalted in the home. And man, we need to call upon the Lord for strength. Call upon the Lord for wisdom. Call upon the Lord that he would protect our households. God, we are here to ask you for the help that you promise. God, you've given us your word. You've given us the Holy Spirit to help lead us and guide us, but at the same time, we have to be submissive to that. And God, I pray for the dads in this room and the dads that are watching online that we would be men that would take the responsibility of being fathers seriously. If we need to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness, God, would we do that? Would we model that for our children? God, if we need to call someone up and say, forgive me for being absent, God, would you do that? God, I thank you for the privilege of being a dad. God, for the moms and the people that are over households that may not be dads, Lord, would you help us all to apply these things to our lives so that our homes could be reflections of what you desire. In Jesus' name, amen.